Good morning, good evening, or good afternoon, and thank you for downloading Monkeys Took My Jetpack, issue number 61. This was much longer in coming than I had thought it would be, but that seems to be the routine of late, and we're going to talk a little bit about that after this game session. Um, this game session, what is it, you ask? Well, it is the very first time that Moondog, Josh, and I met Trilobite. Uh, we got together. I don't even remember how it wound up happening. We just got together over Skype and we were talking and getting along famously. And so we decided to uh, do a little game, an impromptu game. And after some discussion, we agreed upon Wushu as the system of choice and Time Commandos as the setting of choice. A setting of Trilobite's own creation. And I think you're really going to like this. I, I wanted to give you all that background because in the game, we make reference to the fact that we had been going for more than four hours. And if you look at the runtime of this podcast, you will see that it is nowhere near four hours. And although there was some stuff taken out in the editing process, not nearly enough to warrant such a long stretch of, uh, of cut material. So we didn't even start recording until we had decided to play the game. Uh, so I couldn't give you the full four hours worth, even if I wanted to, which I don't know why you would want to listen to that whole thing. Anyway, I mean, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. We had a great time, but I don't know if it would be good for uh, just, well, anyway, that's beside the point. It's not there. So you have what I was able to give you. Uh, anyway, let's get to it because you guys have waited long enough. So without further ado, grab a cup, bottle, glass, or can of your favorite beverage, sit back, relax, and enjoy... Monkeys took my jetpack number 61 Time Commandos Okay, so Time Commandos uh, The characters initially uh, the idea is that they're from the future uh, the We're year from is, the future! Exactly uh, The year is 112,358 Good God Wow. And it's not a hard science fiction setting, as you may have guessed. The original stuff I did, and I just I just erased my Obsidian Portal campaign guide for this because we wrapped up the campaign. Um, the original thing I did, I had some characters. Uh, we had the Cyber Ninja, Sweet. The, giant, the Giant Robot, the Creepy Alien, and the Veteran Soldier. You know, that's the kind of characters we did. So, sort of fun, kind of space opera stuff, but there it is time commandos. So, if you really like the idea of playing Og the Wood Gatherer <laughs> or something like that, a person like that could easily be picked up. If they're useful, they can be brought right into the organization. Hmm. You're inspiring me to run Tales from the Floating Vagabond Wushu style. Yeah, Man, that's one of many, many games which I failed to play. 
<laughs> got that right over there on the table. Yeah, I've seat. got it too. I just I've been one. You know what? I'm not going to derail us. I'm sorry. I'm already. Stuck. Yeah, don't derail us. Yeah, come on, man. Because God knows. Stay focused. What do you think here? this is a social occasion. <laughs> this is right, serious yeah. business. <laughs> Some of us do not have your time. <laughs> uh, I got nothing. So, um, let's see. Want to go robots? Yes, you do. I might. And since you said robots, I think you want to go multiple robots. Like a Voltron type thing? <laughs> sure. Voltron, swarm of hideous nanoflies. Several pods clanking around. Robotic collective. Uh, yippee yappy and yahooey. <laughs> oh god. I keep thinking I had a I, I had an idea for a robot in a Doctor Who game, but I don't know if it'll work for this because it's more of a it was basically based off Carlton from uh, Road to Mars, which is a book no one read. But me. Oh wait a minute, you've read Road to Mars? By Eric Idle, yeah. Wow, you've never okay, heard I've never heard that before. Okay, you're the only one. <laughs> it's you and me. We're the only ones that read it. No, no, I'm sorry. You you missed the tale. I was like, wow, oh, I've never uh, heard that. Yeah, okay. He was goading you. He was mocking you, sir. Road to Mars was a Road to Mars was a book that Eric Idle of Monty Python wrote. It's basically it's a sci fi book as well as a treatise on the nature of comedy. Right on. And one of their the characters in it was a their robot. He was a Bowie model, he looked like 1980s, uh, but he was he was trying to write. He was a robot who was trying to understand humor. He was trying to write a doctoral thesis about it. Did he carry a nice. Bowie knife as well? He did not. Oh, okay. uh, so, um, but it was a. It was a I think this. I think this character idea could work. But I, I'm not sure if I'm not. I'm not sure if that's gonna. And I had the idea to rework. I don't want to do the comedy plotting robot but I had the idea I like the idea of the kind of Bowie-esque robot traveling I said go for it not sure Think about he it. could even be based on the original Bowie you know some copy I'm not sure I'll, I'll think on it still here. cyborg who carries his brain around in a jar <laughs> no, I'm, no I'm not that'd be too weird like the, what I, I'm sorry <laughs> that was funny because it almost sounded like you said that would be too weird and I know. I think maybe you must have chopped up a little bit there. Yeah, no, you could be. Not only could you be a cyborg who carries his brain around in a jar, you could have like a cyborg gorilla specifically to carry your brain, and you could be just the brain, like the brain in Mister Mala. Yes. Or I have I'm a cyborg who has had his brain uh, put into a body of a monkey, encoded, but he carries his brain around in a robot head. So that he's for sentimental got, reasons. He's got no. He's got. It's basically like having two heads. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, but, uh, I'm liking the idea of the cyborg monkey now. I'm thinking about it. <laughs> that also works with a flamethrower in its mouth. Silly. What's silly about that? There's nothing. Nothing <laughs> inherently silly about a flame flame throwing gorilla. Have you ever met one? I assure you, sir, it is not silly in the slightest. <laughs> okay, so we got a couple ideas. We got maybe a Bowie bot, quite possibly a cyborg monkey. Quite Chris, what you thinking of? Oh, I don't know. I was thinking 
uh, possibly a um, master spy type character. Awesome. You know, with with like a cloaking field kind of thing or something. Yeah, cloaking. I really like the two head idea. I was going to do uh, Barney from or Barney and Gomer. <laughs> Gomer Pyle and Barney five two heads. Arrest, citizens arrest. Oh, <laughs> but, but both of them on one body. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I, I think more, um, yeah, I mean, I haven't really thought too much about it, but I really like playing spy-type characters. Okay. Two-headed spy. Mm-hmm. Well, now that's kind of opened up my gates, too, so now I'm thinking I might play the idea I just had of a, a, a super genius's brain who's been implanted in the body of a bear. You we were talking do about bears like earlier. Bears, I seem to we were recall. just talking about bears earlier. Like, yeah. Yes, we were. I've played a bear before, though. I just said uh, the monk. I didn't. Want, I thought about the monk, the ape, but then I was like, ah, oh, apes are apes are passe. What have we done? <laughs> <laughs> apes are so last season, darling. Um, if you go with the bear. I'd like to suggest that you be originally a citizen of Mars so that you can be a red bear. Oh, my. If we're going to throw some stuff in there, we could throw all kinds of things in the mix. I can just be a classic Martian for that matter. Sure. I should just bite the bullet and play Ruby the Galactic Commission. Go for it. That's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a... We'll be all a, be Ruby. No, I'm going to be a, a gumshoe. Yep. Who can control time? Or can, more specifically, can slow time. Ah, mm, okay. With her Smith Atachi Godzilla blaster. This is not my own creation. I'm totally stealing ah, it. Man, that almost sounds familiar. What's it from? It's, uh, ZBS Productions did a radio series. Uh, in fact, they are still making them, but, uh, anyway, it's called Ruby. The, the Adventures of Ruby, the Galactic Gumshoe, and she's um, on the planet Sumanula, which has six moons. It's actually <laughs> pronounced Sumanula, or, but yeah. nobody calls it that. It's the high point of nothing. Uh, and I'm going to play hyper, hyper-intelligent Velociraptor. Okay, <laughs> cool. cool. <laughs> Very good. Go. Where does the hyper-intelligence come from? Are you an advanced intellect that somehow... No, we're, I was the one that was responsible. We were, I was helped responsible building the uh, rockets that that sent the rest of the smart dinosaurs off the planet before it exploded. Or before uh, the meteorite hits. And then you uh, used to politely inquire at herbivores' house when they would die? Uh, the time squad got me shortly thereafter. Oh, okay, okay. There was a uh, all the di- all the dumb dinosaurs died. The smart ones. Yes, left. that's this awesome. Is actually, this is actually the background of a game I'm writing. I thought for a sec you were pulling off like a Doctor McNinja reference or something along those lines. I've read like a handful of Doctor McNinjas, but I I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I don't like I it as much as uh, Axe Cop. Axe Cop is hilarious to me. Yes. Okay, so. Uh, rocket-propelled, hyper-intelligent Velociraptor? Uh, well, not- ro- okay. Yeah, he should be rocket-propelled, though. You're right. Because <laughs> everything's better with rockets. That's right. Rocket Velociraptor with a jetpack. Even macaroni, as I found out recently. 
do I want to ask? Get back around. It's, it's hard to strap on them tiny little jetpacks, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> they boil their own water. I'm telling you, it's it's the new wave in efficiency. <laughs> I'm all about combining functions. There you go. How many points do we get to distribute amongst our traits, sir? Doc wrap. I I always like the old fashioned five four three. But um, do you guys usually play with a higher or lower or or different set? Um, well, what we have done in the past is give eight points to distribute amongst as many traits as we want. And Starts they eight the points traits, away. Traits start at two, and then we split up the eight. Yeah. Go with eight. Okay. So are we doing trade start at two or? Yeah, that's how and I then go with eight. Do it. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. seems to work. Start at two, go up to five. I would like a weakness. Uh, I very seldom use them, to be honest. I don't but, think we ever um, use stars. I use them every once in a while in some more serious stuff or things that are long running. But it's just nice to have on there. Well, like I said, I've always wanted to, one of these days I'm going to run a full story with Wushu, and then the weaknesses will come into play. Just what we have always done is a basic scene. It can be done. Yeah. I did a did a campaign, of, as I mentioned, which was a fairly long-running Wushu campaign, and Time Commandos technically was long-running, but only because we only met about once every other month. <laughs> so our Sword and Sorcery game is for Hex. <laughs> we meet a couple times a year, but that game keeps building. Yep. Yeah, those can be fun sometimes, though. Oh, that game is so fun. I like stuff that starts off as pickups and then ends up taking off into campaigns. Those have always been some of my best experiences. Well, we swap GMs each time, too, so each time oh, the world builds more dropping. and more. Yeah. Uh, the, world, the world builds up each one. So what have you guys got so far? I've got Hyperintelligence, Velociraptor, Rocket Pack, and High Society. <laughs> nice. Because he's he's a uh, well well to do velociraptor. And I'm sorry, Chris. It sounded like I may have cut you off there. That's okay. Um, I was just saying I just got started. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just so thought I'd throw open the window and see what was in there. I need a better word than aloof for. Hmm. Not haughty, haughty, reserved. Haughty. Uh, it's aloof, arrogant. Not quite arrogant. Haughty, haughty. It could be cold. I thought about cold-blooded, but I didn't want to be literal cold-blooded. Um, I'm a huge dinosaur nerd, so I wouldn't make you literally cold-blooded. <laughs> yeah, he's not really a velociraptor for that matter, but. That's fine. I'm a huge dinosaur nerd, but I don't expect other people to be. Now, the dinosaur game I'm writing, I, I'm not doing any research. It's like everything I knew about dinosaurs when I was 12. Yes. That's a brontosaurus right there. <laughs> There's at least one professional paleontologist. Um, excuse me. It's Robert Bacher who just calls him brontosaurus, uh, even in his scientific papers, because he says it's the name everyone's familiar with. You might as well use it. Yep. So you're not alone. Uh, um, kind of that Fraser Crane type of thing. I'm not sure what the. How about Raptorine refinement? 
Well, this is a weakness. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's funny because I can picture Bourgeois. like the bird body language. Oh, there you go. Oh, I spelled that right, dude. No, I didn't. Never mind. Not so good. <laughs> okay, I'm done. Excellent. What you got? I have Ruby the Galactic Gumshoe. Gumshoe 5. Gumshoe 5? Blaster 4. Blaster 4? Uh, slow Time 4 also. Slow Time 4. And Always Armed 3. Okay, Always Armed 3. That- Roger that. How many stats? Does that count up? Is that eight? I believe so. Um, I can check. check. I usually don't uh, bother checking. Oh, maybe I'm doing wrong here. Gumshoe I... five, which makes that three points. Blaster is four, so that's five. Uh, slow time is four, which is seven, and then um. No, you're you know you're right. I can't do math. Is three, so that's my my, my math is incorrect on my character. Never mind. You're right. I'm gonna shut up. And but you know what? Weakness you go about your business. First, ask questions later. Ooh, good. That's a nice okay. usable one. Which I find very. I just thought of this right now. That's that's the way her character is, and I never put it together. She's a gumshoe, and yet she shoots first and asks questions later. Yeah, that's it could be a slight problem. <laughs> yeah. All right, I got Doc Raptor here. <laughs> All right, lay it on me, Doc. Hyper Intelligent Five. Mm-hmm. Velociraptor 4 Rocket okay. Pack 3 High Society 4 and then Bourgeois 1 for his weakness and let me make sure I've got these right I got Hyper Intelligence 5 Velociraptor 4 mm-hmm. Rocket Pack 3 yep. High Society 4 correct and Bourgeois which I know I'm not spelling but thankfully the sheet of paper doesn't have spell check all right I'm not sure that's right. No, it doesn't matter. I guess that works. I, my idea is that she it doesn't necessarily mean shooting. It's like if something is bothering, you know, rather than try and solve the problem of how, if something's not working right, for example, I mean, mm-hmm. this isn't necessarily people. If a machine is not working right, she's more apt to smack the thing and potentially destroy it when she does it than to actually take try and figure out why it's not working yeah. yeah. We Ruby, can Ruby, this is a delicate instrument. They'd be smacking the time vortex. <laughs> and we can interpret stuff, um, however, as long as you understand it. That's okay, yeah, I didn't know if you were a stickler for that. or Because to me, shoot first, ask questions later is nebulous enough to where it doesn't necessarily mean literally always shooting. Although she does like that Smith Tachi Godzilla blaster. Yep. I'll trust you. This okay. time. Okay. And always armed, by the way, is just because she's got weapons. Six like, arms. That would be funny, but no. Um, no. She's got weapons like, you know, when it, it yes. when she's searched, they're constantly finding little, oh, there's a knife. Oh, there's the little bubble grenades over there. Oh, we got. And, and your ear gun. Yeah, exactly. The little gun you keep behind your ear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> But no matter what they do, no matter the circumstance, she always has some sort of weaponry on her. Yes. Well, if, All she, right. makes her, if she makes her roll, anyway. Well, um, I just use those as um, 
man, I haven't even played the game, but there are aspects of your character and you use them as tools to inspire the scenes you're creating and as a rough guide as to what target number we're looking for on the dice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So Chris, what you thinking? Well, um, character name is Clint Flintlock. <laughs> I like it. Hell of a name. Yes. Thank you. I'm changing the name of my first son. Hold on. He's no longer iconoclast. He's now going to be Clint Flintlock. Okay, go on. <laughs> Man of action. Um, I'm basing <laughs> kind of around, um, um, and I've done this before, but I, I like the character. Alan Alda's MASH. Hawkeye oh, okay. Pierce. Yes. So he has um, Seduction 3. Mm-hmm. Uh, wealth, I gave him four. Ooh, okay. Wealth four. All right. Stealth three. Stealth three. Surveillance three. Surveillance three. Firearms three. Firearms three. And I think I had two points left, and I put that into stealth. That sounds good. I don't That's usually cool. check the numbers on most things, so... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yep, eight. Did I tell you his what weakness? You think- oh, no, I was going to ask. What do you think is a good um, weakness? Sucker for, for a guy? pretty face. Ah, uh, that's a classic. I think I want to make him an android. Okay. Sticking with the two heads or going off? No, I'm going to go one head. It would be too, too confusing. It does make oh. – two heads, it seem like it would be kind of a detriment for a spy. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> you bicephalic saboteur. Try, try and try and keep it low profile <laughs> as a two, two Well, it could be perfectly normal in certain parts of the inhabited galaxies and vast portions of the time stream. With the guy with the bird head on his shoulder, or bird cage on his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, literally a bird head. His other head is a bird head. There's nothing <laughs> special about it. It's not, not a bad idea. It just keeps biting him. Why did I think this was a good idea? All right. I was young. I was experimenting. I needed the money. My excuse for everything. <laughs> yeah. I use it today. Uh, so, time commandos. You guys are summoned to the headquarters, which is in its own little pocket universe on a tiny kind of worldlet. It's uh, like a city viewed through fisheye. Uh, as you move around it, the different structures spring up and come into existence. So it's packed in a tiny little space, but it is a thriving metropolis. And the Temporal Integrity Maintenance and Enforcement Headquarters is one of the largest structures in here. Your um, part-time agents. Uh, no one is expected to be on duty all of the time. So when the call comes, what are you guys doing? I am being chased by slimy assassins. Ooh, okay. Why? Um, I don't know. Okay, so they're just after you, and I'm going to interpret that as you literally don't know why they're after you. That's what I meant, so I'm glad you're interpreting it that way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What about the rest of you? When the call comes to report to headquarters, what are you doing? I'm playing poker at a casino. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Trying to seduce a rather rich woman 
the, this is the why. Um, okay. Because her husband is possibly a member of an organization I've been tasked to investigate. Uh-huh. Okay, good. What's the good doctor up to? I am at a high society salon, mm-hmm. sitting in a high-backed leather chair, sipping tea or brandy, probably both, big cigar, talking with a bunch uh, of other uh, high society intelligentsia, discussing uh, newest applications and temporal mechanics and quantum uh, phasing. All right. So the call comes and, and to cricket, probably. Are you discussing things with a cricket, or you're discussing cricket? Probably both. Oh, okay. You can discuss cricket, cricket with a cricket. cricket. It gets very existential very <laughs> fast around here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everyone, hold up your watches. It's getting deep. So, um, when the call comes, uh, set the scene for me, um, Eric. I heard yours first. So, uh, Ruby, you're being chased by slimy assassins. Yes. Literally gelatinous blobs of slime is what I'm picturing. Yeah, yeah, that sounds good to me. So, what's Rue do when the call comes in? Uh, well, Ruby is, is, uh, has been pinned down by some of, by a couple of these guys who, who, blobbish though they may be, they still have blasters in their, mm-hmm. Stopods. In their, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, she, um, this is Wushu. I don't have to stop trying to worry about what I can get done in one round. Uh, so as the, the thing is beeping at her, she is, is shooting at, uh, this, the, the assassins. And, um, every time she starts to get a bead on one in particular, the thing goes beep, beep, and kind of, damn it. And she keeps missing. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> And finally, he he. Um, how 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 far do I get to go here? Because I could wrap this. So just basically, me- uh, yeah. If you want to wrap stuff up real quick, I'm thinking just basically set the scene for me as to what the reaction is. So if you want to go a little bit further, that's entirely okay. cool. Okay. Um, and she says, "I I can't." She starts shooting at a bunch of them and blowing them away. Uh, there's one, that one pesky one that she still is, is, uh, trying to get. And the beep is getting more urgent. Mm-hmm. And so she slows time as, as the, as that last one fires a shot, she mm-hmm. slows time, ducks out of the way of the oncoming energy bolt, blasts okay. it with the, uh, with her, with her Godzilla blaster. And then, uh, as he explodes and she gets covered with slime, nice, and, uh, and hits the uh, button on the on the transmit. Yeah, kind of busy around here. Yeah, well, we can see that as we do have a complete and total image of your environment at all times. Listen, we've got an emergency meeting here. It's Angus, your regular agent. On if you're done playing around, I'd like to just teleport you out of there. And more are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, that might not be bad. Damn it! Idea. All right, all right. Hold on. And uh, there's a kind of shimmering uh, feeling of uh, like when you hit your funny bone, 
but all down your whole spine. He doesn't have to do that, but he's, uh, it's often how he works to tell the border. (laughs) And, uh, you end up in the headquarters. So, um, is there a chance one of the, uh, assassins got teleported by accident? You tell me, my friend. Okay, yes, one of them gets teleported by accident, so when she ends up in the headquarters, she she looks and sees that it is there. Ah, hell, and... <laughs> sorry about that, and of course, Angus is and her are both covered with the exploded slime. He just stares at you levelly for a moment. He's a heavy-set man with um, wiry red hair, and he affects a... Uh, in the most modern of styles, a handlebar mustache. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he just stares at you for a moment and then runs his hand down his face, clearing some of the slime. Oh, it's no problem. No problem at all. Yeah, a little more on your mustache there, right side. Yeah. So, going over then to Mr. Flintlock. Yes. Um, I am sitting at a poker table. Mm-hmm. Uh, several other players are sitting around the table, uh, including my Mark, um, mm-hmm. Lady Penelope. Lady Penelope it is. Okay. And um, I am looking – it's a cordoned off area, a very high-stakes game. Okay. And I'm looking right now. I have a hand. Um, well, let's say I have a pair of jacks. Mm-hmm. And I'm staring across at an Asian man who um, I'm trying to get a read on because he's the only one in the hand left, whether uh, I'm going to go all in or not. Tough to and get I a read on. to the woman. I go, yes, you are right, Lady Penelope. They are letting more of the riffraff in to these games. Ooh. And I'm What's looking his to reaction? see if I get reaction. He sort of lifts his eyebrow and I um, I go all in. Mm-hmm. And then you get the call. So what happens? And I look down at my um, chest where I keep the phone. Uh, one moment, I need to take this. Uh, he pulls out his iPhone 300. <laughs> Flintlock. Hello. Uh, look, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, yes, I'm perfectly... No, get away from me. You can hear the whining sound and suction noises of a clean you bot. And it sounds like it's stuck right up against Angus's face or maybe his, maybe his iPhone 3000 for whatever reason. So for the whole, the whole time in the background, there's this, you know, noise going on. And, uh, he says, look, I'm sorry to interrupt your, good, get away from me, you bloody thing. I'm sorry to interrupt your, uh, your little game there, uh, both of them. But, uh, first of all, you're playing against an android over there on the other side of the table. And, uh, secondly, we need you in for an emergency meeting. Now, try not to bring anything that will turn inside out and explode. Not a problem. What's his hand? Uh, look at that. He's got nothing. Good. Uh, give me a moment. And I'll wait for the hand to finish out since I went all in. All right. So then when you show up at the headquarters, are you, like, dripping with riches? Yep, I'm raking in coins or or chips. Okay, very cool. I turned to, um, like, I, I told you to wait a minute. 
I left half of my winnings on that table. <laughs> and as one of the chips rolls across the floor to uh, Angus's feet, um, a like glop of uh, thick slime drops down onto it, and the clean you bought that you heard earlier <laughs> is uh, still going around. Looks like there's a second one, and it's dragging its body and cleaning attachments back and forth across the control panel. Angus just kind of shrugs at you. So going over to Doc Raptor, you're in the midst of your conversation. Doc Raptor is sitting in the salon, high back chair, leather chairs all around like the fireplace. Um, Mm -hmm. He's got the top hat and the monocle going. (laughs) Got a copy of the the, the, uh, Times of Mars newspaper. Nice. And the uh, cigarette and the long uh, filter. Ancestral home of humanity, Mars. And home to some of history's greatest thinkers. I, I don't doubt that. But, uh, yeah, and he's there discussing with a bunch of other uh, uh, intelligentsia, high, you know, high society, smart guys. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you find, if you add a quantum Doppler effect to a Hawking replicator, you'll find your zero-point manifold is greatly increased by a... By a Margin of, and then that's when the the uh, alarm goes off. All right. Oh, excuse so, me, gentlemen. This seems to be a rather important call. Cornelius J. Doctor Cornelius J. Raptor speaking. Uh, hello, Doctor. Um, and you can hear a uh, a queen you bought kind of in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh. Hello, Doctor. Uh, look, I'm sorry to bother you on your day off like this, and I, I know you're preparing for your lecture. Or, is that next week? Which I, I'm not sure which rap, which one you're speaking about. I go to an awful lot of lectures. Ah, uh, yes, that's right. You haven't received the invitation for it yet. So um, that'll be on Tuesday that you'll be getting the call for it, and we'll try to get you back in time to receive the invitation so we don't cause any paradoxes. Oh, good. I hate doing the paperwork on those. And it, don't push that, you blimey. Oh, and uh, you can hear a teleporter going in the background. And then uh, the familiar voice of Clint Flintlock. Sounds like he's saying something about his winnings. So anyway, Doctor, uh, we need you in here right away. Oh, very well, as long as I'm back in time for my dissertation. Uh, you know we always bring you back in time. Otherwise, I mean, last time I had that time duplicate go off and do a lot of errands for me. That was quite convenient, but... Against regulations, I am understood to believe. Yeah, these days now, retroactively, of course, and guess who had to fill out all the paperwork on that one? (laughs) Well, I'm going to grab my rocket pack from the coat room, and I'll be right over. So. (laughs) Excuse me. Take my ticket to the coat room and get my rocket pack back. (laughs) Because that's how you do things in this situation. (laughs) Eric, what's your character's name again? Ruby. Thank you. Ruby the Galactic Gumshoe. A good one. Ruby, 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 Ruby! So the three of you uh, are in the briefing room, and you've worked together before. Often the time commandos work in teams that have the right combination of expertise or the right personal chemistry. So you guys have worked together countless times. And Ruby? Hey, Mr. Flintlock, Ms. Ruby. 
this gumshoe. Ruby looks at your chips that are all piled, and you said, you know, I thought we agreed that you're not supposed to bring treats for the class unless you're willing to share. <laughs> I thought we also agreed that we're not supposed to be bringing assassins along for the ride. Well, that wasn't my choice. It wasn't my oh. choice either. A queen you bought goes by. It was inside out. And it exploded. Yeah, I like they do tend to do that. It's kind of fun. How gauche. She kind of massages the grip of her blaster as she puts it back in her in its holster. So the briefing room is a amphitheater type setup, one of several that's on a huge revolving tray uh, that goes around the time core. So there's a window along the front that allows you to see the time core and the technicians who work on it, as well as the other briefing rooms that are going around. And occasionally there's the bright flash of a teleported beam bringing people into the briefing room directly or taking them out. Other technicians bring people here directly. Angus always brings you to the teleporting chamber and then you guys have to walk down the corridor. You know, Angus, I'm going to ask you about that. Why do you, why do you uh, make us walk all the way down instead of just bringing us in like those people do over there, pointing? I built character. And the three of you, I hate to say it, but you do have a bad habit of bringing along uninvited guests. Mm, true, true. Brief flashback to the Tyrannosaur that got wedged into the briefing chamber <laughs> on one of your first assignments. <laughs> Family's always embarrassing. Not me into this. <laughs> <laughs> I just think he likes looking at your ass, Ruby. <clears throat> yes, well, uh, right, time for the giant floating head then. And he pushes a button and the giant floating head appears. Giant floating head is the system that gives everyone their briefings. Hey, I like the new do. Thank you, Ruby. My compliments to yours as well. Uh. Greetings, time commandos. Hello. Hello. We've assembled you today because your unique mixture of skills and expertise, he looks at each of you kind of in turn as he's talking, it's a big floating head. It's hard to pin down its ethnicity or even its race, but it has a sort of scholarly, omnipotent feeling about it. It tested very well in the focus groups, which is why it's here. <laughs> so... um We've got an emergent... Oh, whoa, that's Angus for a second. <clears throat> Pardon me. <laughs> Angus, are you using the mic again? It just scuttles out. No. It seems we have an emergency on Mars. In the late 20... Late 23rd century, just after the Second De-Renaissance. The De-Renaissance? The De-Renaissance? The second de-Renaissance, yes. Not the first, of course. Of course. <laughs> How silly. Well, they brought back one the of letter the, D. The libraries of Alex and Rhea are showing <laughs> a... S- <laughs> are showing a serious time flux... They're on the verge of discorporating from the timeline entirely, and we need you to find out why. Okay. 
I don't need to tell you. Of Alex Andrea. Yes. Both of them, I'm afraid. (laughs) He's totally straight faced. (laughs) Both of them, I'm afraid. Maybe they just decided they don't like reading books as much as they used to. It's possible, but our simulations show that to be extremely unlikely. A pie graph comes up showing the likelihood is this extremely tiny little uh, sliver. There's a bit of temporal interference in the region. Now, it's possible that this is likely, or excuse me, it's possible that this is likely? What? It's possible that this is natural. However, given a recent string of events, it is more likely that it is the result of artificial interference in the time stream. So be on your guard. Okay. Okay. All right. So you guys are experienced time commandos. Before you go, before you leave, I'm not worried about gear and stuff like that because, you know, whatever you say you have, you have. And indeed, whatever knowledge you say you have as you go along, you have. You're free to just spin facts out of thin air as far as I'm concerned. But before you go, do you have any uh, questions, knowledge checks, situational stuff that you would like to know that your characters would definitely know? What's society like on Mars at this time point? Around this time, it's just recovering from the second de-Renaissance. So it's pretty much baseline human, like we think of, good old Homo sapiens. Most of them are pretty tightly networked with each other and with their local city brain artificial intelligence networks. That's the dominant social structure is these groups of people who are all networked together and perform a set of related tasks. Right. So The cities oh. are sort of like city-states. Right. So a talking velociraptor in a top hat is going to stand out a bit. But not too much, and I'm sure you can think of all kinds of interesting ways to rectify I'll a, it. Tre- I will get a trench coat. <laughs> <laughs> trench Perfect. coat and wide-brimmed hat. That'll, that will hide my appearance. <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to know or do before you take off? Um, which city-state are we going to? Ah, that's uh, actually, I totally neglected to mention that because I didn't look up any good Martian names before throwing this down. So you're headed to Charbidus. I've never heard that word. Charbidus. And I can spell for you if you want. Yeah, would you? Sure. It's C-H-A-R-B-Y-D-I-S. I've never heard that word pronounced before. And you probably just heard it pronounced incorrectly. Couldn't tell you. (laughs) Do we know how the city-state is governed? Yes, there will be, if it's like most of the city-states at this time, there will be a central AI or a kind of council of AIs that make all the decisions, but they execute them through groups of networked humans on a semi-voluntary basis. True technocracy. Indeed. What can we find? What do we know about the uh, the uh, libraries of Alex Andrea? Information about them is sketchy, uh, but they were libraries and they were great scholars, and they were largely responsible for sheltering a lot of human knowledge during the Second De Renaissance. 
and for disseminating it afterwards and allowing humanity to climb back out of the pit and into a new golden age that lasted almost 20 years. Wow, almost 20 years. <laughs> so, if, so if the libraries disappear, then all that knowledge will be lost. Yes. And, and the golden age won't show up in all sorts of temporal wonkiness. All right. Yeah, it's going to be a big problem. Gotcha. There will be cats and dogs living together. Master and they only send you guys out to these key point events there's lots of little differences time is in flux all the well constantly um but key points like this can really seriously disrupt civilization wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff exactly and that's how it's referred to in the manual (laughs) (laughs) who is alex and who is Rhea? They are libraries and scholars, and they were both located in this city. That's about all that's known, unfortunately. While they were important, this was a long time ago. So they're not contemporaneous? No. Those individuals, okay. Well, they're contemporaneous with each other, but no, I understand what you're saying. They weren't in the time period we were going to visit. They were, or rather they are, in the time period you're going to visit. Oh, they are, okay. And that's the problem. They're in some kind of danger. Okay, so those actual people are in some kind of danger. Mm-hmm. I got you. Okay. All right. So anything else before we shuffle off to the red planet? Nope. Nope. Going. I got slimies to get back to. Okay. So, uh, Angus, looking somewhat chagrined for some reason... Pulls out his little portable console, brushes away a clean you bought, and uh, typing a few keys teleports you directly to Mars. Immediately, there's a problem. Several, actually. Right. One is, Charbatus is nowhere in sight. What are the other problems? Getting to Charbatus and the dangers you face, I'm going to set this as a, let's see, we've got three people... Um, I'm going to call it a 12-point challenge. There are various uh, problems, threats, could be all kinds of interesting stuff. So it's got a threat rating of 1, meaning it's going to knock one good hit towards your key, or however you guys want to pronounce it, or whatever you want to call it, every turn. Okay. So our first scene is getting to Charbatus. The first problem is it's nowhere in sight. 12-point scene... There are other problems. What are they? Uh, and you can begin narrating the journey, narrating, looking around and seeing what the problems are, uh, as long along with your solutions to it. However, you guys want to handle this part. There's a mob. Mm-hmm. And we've been teleported right smack in the middle of it. All right, that's a good two details for you. And you guys can play off each other. I don't really worry about going around in a circle unless it works out better for you. There's a uh, ion storm that's screwing up my uh, my uh, positioning equipment, so I can't mm. I can't figure out where we are and how far we are from Charybdis. Nice. That's a good two details right there. Um, what's the atmosphere like? Hmm. 
It's pretty late in time. People have been living on Mars for quite some time. In fact, it's the ancestral home of humanity. So as you look around, what do you see and how do you determine what the atmosphere is like? Well, that's a great question. I determined that um, most of the people are wearing some type of suit device. Okay, good. And helmets, and unfortunately, we don't have those devices. Ooh, nice. And there's a lack of oxygen. <laughs> I like that a lot, so I'm going to... Since go I'm an Android, that should not be a problem. Sweet. <laughs> so I like that so much, I'm going to go ahead and make that four details right there. All right. Um, you guys have set up the basic situation, and if you've got some narration on how to solve some of this stuff, go ahead and roll with it, and I'll, I'll chop you off at a, at a ice cap that I feel is comfortable. Okay. Um, um, Ruby starts grabbing people as they, as they are walking, as they're walking, they're in a mob, it's some frenzied mentality, so they're kind of running by, helter-skelter. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Need a helmet. Need the helmet, please. Okay, and what happens? <laughs> um, of course, they are not willing to give up their helmets, and so she, uh, after a while, gets frustrated and uh, has a lack of oxygen. Yeah, Ooh, with a lack of oxygen, she she um, summoning up as much strength as she can given the lack of oxygen and the fact that she just used much of her breath speaking mm -hmm. um, she starts wrestling with one with or trying to grab one of the uh, people to get their helmet off so she can put it on and a a grapple ensues very um, good Yes. So, you other guys, if you want to play off that or be doing your own thing while this goes on, I keep time very flexible in Wushu also, so yeah. you can go back and forth and add details, okay. revise stuff, whatever. Well, the mob happens to be standing in front of a platform, mm -hmm. and there's a few people up there. One is speaking in a way that is eliciting kind of a, you know, the mob uh, response. Uh, they oh, seem to be okay. protesting some type of um, rights or something like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to run up to the uh, platform, run up top, and start screaming uh, out loud. I, I, I think the troops are coming. We better hide. Oh, nice. So I try to dispense the mob. Someone want to give me a reaction on that one, and then we'll wrap this up and make a quick roll? Either a reaction um, of the crowd or of uh, or other characters. Hmm. Oh, Josh, you were going to say something. Uh, no, that was me making thinking noises. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> then I'll step in with some GM fiat here and say that as one, the crowd turn to look at Clint Flintlock with eerie precision. And as the crowd turns, including the one that Ruby is tangling with, she smashes him on the head and uh, knocks him out. Sweet. Okay. So I have a rough tally here of, let's see, from Ruby, about seven dice. From 
The Good Doctor, about seven dice. And from Clint, I've actually got, looks like, eight dice here. I get the feeling this scene is going to get wrapped up real fast. <laughs> so what traits are you guys wanting to roll against here, and how are you splitting up your dice? I'm using hyperintelligence. Okay. As I'm trying to readjust my equipment, I can extend the uh, fresher aura on my jetpack, because I'm used to flying around in uh, space. Okay, very cool. I can hopefully extend that out to uh, cover Ruby. Sounds perfect to me. So that's hyperintelligence. Mm-hmm. I am going to use uh, the only one that I think is appropriate. I'm trying to seduce the crowd. Ah, okay, okay. I'll let that fly. It sounds good to me. Crowd, that's a pretty good-looking crowd here. (laughs) Seduction is not just about that. I mean, I'm trying to control them, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, that works fine for me. Although I kind of like the other idea too, maybe we can take this <laughs> game in a different direction. Yes, mass orgy. No longer start. the first of May. Now we have <laughs> Tracy Lords. Okay, so um... Tracy Lords. Yeah, what? Nothing. I like okay. him. Yeah. Um, yeah, I happen to pick actions which have no trait associated with them whatsoever. So make an excuse for one of your traits to work. Um, That's what I, I think you can. Or I could just like Gumshoe uh, totally sounds like wrestling for example. Or I was thinking maybe she slows time a little bit in order to get the drop on the guy when uh, when when he's when the crowd is reacting. Perfect. So All right, uh, so go ahead and roll your dice en masse. Wait. How are you splitting stuff up as far as defense and offense? I'm going six or offense, two defense. End. Okay. Uh four offense, three defense. Excellent. Uh, three offense, four defense. Okay. And actually, that's old habit, me doing that with a much more tactical um, wushu game, if you can believe it. So from now on, just tell me your successes, and I'll uh, I'll go with that. Oh. Okay. Me asking for the dice split up is an old habit that came from my old wushu campaign, so I'm not too worried about it. Okay, so I roll... Remind me of the mechanic here. I roll against my seduction. Yes. and Which is any, a three, so I want above or below. You want anything that matches or is below, and that's a Got success it. for you. Other dice, you can discard. They don't negate successes. They don't do anything weird. I got four successes, three defense. Okay. So three defense keeps you safe. Four knocks the threat, or excuse me, knocks the challenge rating down to eight. I got five successes, no defense. Ooh. So you take a hit of some kind. And if you like, you can describe how, and that's free details for your next, um, nice. for your next round, however you want to do that. However, you got how many successes? Uh, five. Five. Okay. So that knocks the threat down to I three. I put six dice into. Yeah. Okay. Bad, so dude. my failure is, um. Hold on just a sec. Oh, I'll yep. get to, uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Let me get the rest of the dice. I got three offensive successes and one defensive. Nice. So that keeps you safe and knocks the threat down to zero. Now, normally, uh, I do this. Whoever knocks it down to zero gets to describe the coup de grace. 
But uh, you gentlemen have been playing with each other for some time. You're good at playing ideas off each other. So whoever has an idea, go with it as for how this situation resolves. The goal was to find Charmidus and get out of the dangers. So how are those goals obtained? Um, well, for me, I, I, can I explain my kind of failure? Please do. So I am on the platform and I'm looking around trying to um, get the mob to disperse, leave or whatever. And I notice that one of the leaders is a very attractive woman. Hmm. And I get easily distracted by her. I mean, she's beyond beauty. So I forget hmm. kind of what I'm doing and I walk up to her. Hi, how you doing? Everyone in the crowd turns to follow you as you move in, as one. Their bodies just swiveling and they're all staring unblinking. So... What's the result here? How do we get out of the dangers? Yeah, guys, how do we get out of the dangers? <laughs> um, I got well, reverse seduced. I take the helmet off this one guy and put it on my head so I'm no longer in danger of running out of oxygen. <laughs> okay, good. And I kind of signal, hey, Raptor, you might want to hmm. get a helmet. Silly babble. My rocket pack provides... Ample pressured atmosphere through a sophisticated atmosphere aura effect. Wasn't your equipment misfunctioning, though? No, no, no. My positioning equipment. Ah, gotcha. Doubtless some kind of temporal spatial interference. Could be. Very likely. Were you able to fix that, by the way? Oh, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet. I was making sure no one asphyxiates. Thank you. Are you breathing properly? Yes. <laughs> now, if we could just figure out where the hell this Carib- 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 city is. Charmidus. Oh, the terrible lobster man. Ah, good to know. No, it was Carapace City, which ah. is, it's just a piece down the road from Charbidus. Uh, data chick, data check. I say Mr. Data Flintlock is uh, having uh, some uh, trouble there. Nicely done, Roland. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> so, dear, where have you been all my life? Oh, Mr. Flintlock's entangling in romantic foils already, I see. Yes, and you not gotten into the city. It has been waiting for you to arrive, time agent. Excuse me? Did you say time agent? Oh, that's what I said, excuse me? And when Doc Raptor says... Uh, did they say time agent? One of the people turns next to uh, next to you turns to look at you, Doc Raptor, and says in an identical voice while the woman is also talking, "Yes, we did." Oh, just checking. So Wait. all the people are speaking simultaneously in the same voice. The people who are nearest whoever needs to be addressed are speaking and oh. often simultaneously, and they have pretty much the same voice. Oh, well, that's not attractive. I think I might be getting in trouble for knocking this person out because they're all collective. I'm sorry about your friend here. He <laughs> will be recycled properly. Steps one of them in, <laughs> or one of them steps in to complete your sentence. I turn to the woman. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so you must have that me mistaken was mistaken for somebody else. 
that was my sort of uh, turning the situation around so that we're now completely out of the dangers because the mob were one of the big uh, or the mob were like the big immediate danger presented in this scene. So if you guys have a direction to run in with this, I not only say go for it, I place the ball firmly in your court. Anybody know where we can find Alex or Rhea? I think we just need to find the city of Charbatus. Charbatus. A good start. So what's the reaction? Do these people help you? Is it uh, behind you the whole time? They've overtaken Charbatus. Oh. So this actually really is Charbatus. Or they're on their way or something. I say that the mob was getting ready to storm Charbatus. That works. Mm -hmm. Because that's who they were protesting against for bad living conditions. Ah, hence the platform and the speaker and all that business. Yeah, it was a protest rally that was going to end ugly. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't for Doc Savage and Doc Ruby. (laughs) (laughs) Did I say Doc Savage? Yes, you did. You guys did that. I've never run any Doc Savage, but you talk about it all the time. You should. <laughs> well, well hey, eventually. Doctor, who's also a raptor might be savage, so. Yeah, so Doc Raptor. So, are they helping you out? Yes. Okay. So, uh, what form is this aid taking? Are they simply just pointing at the city? Are they beaming access codes? What's going on? One of them says, it's, it's a ways away. We were going to take transports. And points over to uh, these little hovering crafts that hold maybe five to six people. Okay. And says, I, I guess you guys could take one of those. Mm-hmm. Good. I'm driving. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> Immediately. How did they know we were time agents? Oh, How did you know we were time agents? I How say, did they know? I say jostling one of them. And the uh the unwashed mob. How do they know this kind of thing? The woman who spoke actually said it has been waiting for you, time agent. So Who's it? Indeed. Okay, Costello. <laughs> I'll break your arm, you say who's on first. <laughs> well, uh that's something you guys can run with if you've got an idea. No idea what it is yet. Well, I would say that it is the boss of a crime organization. I would say it wasn't actually it that she said. It was id has been waiting for you. Oh, id. And it's id is a... It's a Freudian term. Freudian, that's right. The base impulses. It is an organism which rules charbidus. Uh-huh. being governed mainly by base impulses. So rather than it, it was id. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I like this. Must have a goal. <laughs> Damn it, maybe snort. Ah, oh, Jesus. Hold some fire. We must have both. <laughs> okay, so? So maybe we should go to Charbatus and find out why Id knows that we're coming. That's right. All right. Thank you for your assistance, kind lady. See, that's uh-huh. why wants to erase the library because if people have knowledge, they won't they won't be governed by their. Ooh, this is good. Brilliant. Go, you must be some sort of detective. 
<laughs> so, it seems that the nature of the threat has been revealed to you by these people, or perhaps by your own uh, deductions. And you're now looking at taking one of these uh, hovercraft, it sounded like, to the city itself. So if, if, it, if it knows we're coming, then maybe we need to find some sort of... Maybe we need to... If there's even a way to sneak into the city... Although it sounds like... I'll, I'll, I'll drive stealthily. Okay, so I'm going to put down Infiltrate the City as our next scene. Yep. Okay. And uh, literally, like, to get into the city undetected. That's about it. Twelve worked out um, very, very quickly. Uh, so yeah, right um, this, should a, this should be a brief scene also. So what the hell? I'll go at twelve with one... Uh, as the threat rating, the one here will represent not so much physical danger, but the chance of being discovered and of uh, having to change plans or um, whatever else you need. So, how are you going to get into the city undetected? Well, my highly trained Velociraptor sensors... Um will help me spot notable ambush areas mm-hmm. and other possible hiding spots for, for hunters, being an alpha predator. Uh, okay. So I will be able to steer us away from such things. And There's what do you spot and steer away from? Shrub and shrouded uh, overhangs. It can't be done. Brush-cluttered overhangs, uh, notable uh, copses and caves of trees and whatnot. Okay. Uh, keep an eye out for... Uh, any kind of uh, trail, uh, like uh, footprints and markings, that sort of thing. Good. And I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt. Sound like someone was going to play off what you were saying, which is oh. uh, what I was trying not to get in the way of. Sorry about That's that. That's okay. No problem. As as we're flying along and uh, trying to avoid um, ambush spots, we come upon a, tr- uh, a convoy, mm-hmm. a large gathering of other ships moving towards the city. Okay, cool. And some of them are quite large and hover well above the ground. So we we come from the back and sneak up underneath one. Mm-hmm. And we're going to float under the convoy going into the city. Like great big cargo haulers, all kind of rammed. Yeah, yeah. High with transport sort of things. Thing. Dig it. Okay. 18-wheelers of the future. Nice. Convoy. And as we're maneuvering underneath one of the uh, ambush bots looks like it spotted us, mm-hmm. and I fire on it with my Godzilla blaster, mm-hmm. turning it into a smoking pile of ruin and slag before it has a chance to sound off any kind of alarm or anything. So your reactions are just so fast that it doesn't get a chance to give off a signal or anything along right. those lines. Right. Nice. So now you guys are uh, in this convoy, literally under the cover of one of these great huge ore haulers or whatever it is. And I've got about five details from each of you. So give me your dice. Or, you know what? Give me your successes. Tell me what you got and where. Two offense, one defense. Okay. That keeps you safe. Knocks it down to ten. I've got two offense, one defense. Keeps you safe. Knocks it down to eight. One offense, one defense. (laughs) All right. And once again, you're okay, and that knocks it down to seven. 
So I'll step in here for a moment and say that the uh, city is approaching. And what do you guys think is cool as a uh, like a description of it? What kind of city should this be here on Mars? This is during the uh, the the second D Renaissance. Shortly after, yeah. Shortly after. Kind of like Metropolis, the, the Fritz Lang movies, all kind of industrial and, mm-hmm. um, large multi-tiered towers, but it's all kind of crumbling down now, kind of repatched up, uh, mm-hmm. poorly. A lot of rust and decay. And then like signs of like kind of, uh, kind of like signs of like falling back into like superstition and whatnot. So there's witch marks and other things on buildings to keep the evil spirits out. Sweet. Kind of spray painted on. So with that as a description and anything else you guys want to add playing off that, anytime you want to use an element of that type or of the city that fits in with that, I'll give you an extra die on top of the dice cap. Yep. So there you are, approaching the city. The scene stands at a level of seven. What's going on? I've got something. As we're flying along underneath this uh, cargo transport thing, mm-hmm. we're getting closer to the city. A hatch opens up about 30 yards in front of us. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very small hatch, and a head pops out. Looks at us, and we can see it uh, starts to talk on a radio. Uh-huh. I'll let somebody else fill some stuff in there. That's good. That's a good five details right there. My, uh... Sharp sense of smell detects the scent of gun oil mm-hmm. and uh, uh, plasma discharges heading towards us. Like the smell, okay. like it smells like guards coming towards our location. Gotcha. Yeah, they do have that particular ozone scent to them. A lot of them. Yeah, and I point out, like, uh, ladies and gentlemen, perhaps we should run off into that conveniently op- opened hatch over there. I'd rather deal with that one person on the radio than a contingent of armed guards. Is it time to abandon our craft? We may be dealing with both. And as I say that, I start speeding forward towards the um, hatch. I believe it is, yes. Very good. And I will speed up to the hatch and hover right below it. Mm-hmm. And you guys see a guy up there getting ready to talk in a walkie-talkie. So the hatch is kind of below you or up above, above us? Up. Above us. Ah, okay. Maybe in the side of a building or the side of a cliff, something like that? No, I thought it was in the transport device or the, ah, the, the convoy. Okay. Ah, okay. So we're hovering below this big transporter that's going along and it's hovering yes. and we're below it trying to be concealed and, and uh, a hatch on the... Uh, for better, the 18-wheeler opens up on the, the floor of the 18-wheeler and looks out. So it's upside down looking at us. Right. Ah, okay, got it. That's how I was picturing it. Nice, I understand now. All right, that's looking pretty good to me unless someone wants to throw something in. Well, I'm going to make a weakness. Um, wait, how does that work? I... It means you use your weakness and you roll, you have to get ones or less. Right, but... Yes. But do I describe the details as though my weakness did not take effect and then roll, or do I? 
The way it works, as written by Mr. Bain, is that when you try to act against your weakness, that's when you roll and anything that is more than a one is is a failure, basically. If you want to simply act in character with your weakness, you just go for it. That's just another detail. And you fold that into whatever traits are appropriate for your actions, whether they be slowing time or seducing people or high culture or what. Okay. I am going to act in keeping with my weakness and shoot the guy in the head that's poking out of the the, uh, hatch. Oh, my. From talking on the radio. And sending more guards toward us. Okay. Yeah, give me a nice little bit of description. Like, does he fall past screaming or? Uh, I, the, the, the way I picture the craft is it's open. And so I have the blaster out from before. I hold it out Mm -hmm. to the thing. He looks over at it, starts to say something else into the radio. Full disintegration. Yeah, the, the head disappears. <laughs> and the radio, some sparks shoot out of it. I'll leave it up to someone else, whether it's inoperable, but it All does have right. a little bit of the thing going on. So I got about five from each person, sometimes a little bit more, but I'm going to set the dice cap at this one at around five because that seems to be working well for pacing. Okay. So uh, since I just announced that, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a extra die, so give me six dice each. Uh, one success, one defense. Okay. Knocks it down to six. Two and two. Okay, knocks it down to four. Two and one. And that knocks it down to... That was two offensive, right? Yep, two offense, one defense. That knocks it down to two. With two left and three players, it's pretty much done. So how does this wrap up? How does it resolve? Uh, I hope we don't have any butterfly effect by killing that person. (laughs) <laughs> says the squid with the mustache I should keep the car or the the uh, hovercraft of, you guys should climb up in oh Angus will fill it. Angus will worry about the butterfly thing it's just a little more paperwork for him it's good for him builds character it's what he's there <laughs> oh, that was his life you know you nice. say that you're the only human here the robot and the dinosaur are fly well, te- technically I'm a Simonolian so oh, well, never, <laughs> never mind uh, I grab them each one in each hand and I'll rocket pack them up into the hatch. Cool. So then it closes behind you if I can step uh, in with this. What's that? Said, Hang on, gentle beings, and then I made a rocket noise. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> rocket away! So then the hatch closes behind you with a metallic clang, and for a moment we just have like one shot of just darkness. And then our next scene is inside the city. So, you're in Charbatus, which as we've heard has seen better times. You've got to try to find the libraries of Alex and Rhea. I'll set this once again as 12 points. And our threat rating currently is 1. Clearly, something funny is going on here. So that threat rating of one could be just about anything, including id, whatever the source of the temporal disturbance is, if that's what it is, giant mutated rats, anything along those lines. And I'll set a dice cap of about five on this one, too. 
So give me the opening shot. It's really dark in our little chamber here for a few seconds, and then there's a flash of light and the uh, and the light function on my techno monocle illuminates nice. the area. Mm-hmm. Nice wide beam. There, now perhaps we can see. All right. That's a good four details right there. We're in a Kerbidician marketplace. Hmm. Well, I thought we were. Weren't we in the? Uh, I thought we were in the. We're in the transport we were, still. I thought we were out of that. It, what did you? You rocketed us up to the into the into the transport where the guy who we just shot. Oh, you, into the car. Co- okay, I misunderstood. Yeah. Okay, Sorry, so, but the that. transport could very well touch down in a marketplace. Maybe it was very carrying true. some goods there. Okay. Well, there what we goods go. are in here? And some gentlemen have come along and started uh, emptying out the goods. Mm-hmm. And we sneak by them as they're carrying crates and stuff off, using various types of equipment to carry the larger pallets. Okay. Including a big old yellow power loader. Yep. Get away from her. Oh, okay. I was thinking that too. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Let's follow the crates and see where. I mean, these crates full of illegal weapons. That we Ooh. assume that could be what's what is in there. Well, that's what this manifest says here on the side. <laughs> illegal weapons. Why they said <laughs> illegal? I'm not sure why. It doesn't seem very smart to me, but you know, they're not stamped on there in big stencil letters. <laughs> Ruby, you got a couple of details left. If you want to throw something about um... where this leads and. What indeed the contents are? I like the illegal weapons idea. I like the illegal weapons idea as well. I am at a loss as to where we are, where they are being taken to, so I will stick to my three details because I can't think of anything. If anything Not else, because I, I can it's, cut in if some if something gets inspires me. I'm assuming exactly. It's okay. always you, you don't ever have to take the dice cap when the things I found about Wushu. It's always better to go with what seems natural. And then uh, use the dice cap as just a method of pacing. Yeah. Okay, so I've got uh, five, five, and uh, three from Ruby. So give me your rolls. Oh, what the heck am I rolling? Uh, yeah, good question. What are we rolling against here? I don't know. <laughs> uh, gumshoe for me because I was observing. I would say stealth for me. Okay. Hyper intelligent for me. Ah, okay, good. I found that manifest there. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps you deciphered some obscure code that That led you to understand it was... The lighty yuppie monocle, too. One and one. Okay. So that knocks it down to 11. I got one success, two defense. Three offense, two defense. Okay. So we got 11, 10, and that knocks it down to seven again, if I'm counting right. Hey, mark this day on your calendars. I did that. <laughs> so here you are, sort of. Uh, it sounds like you're just kind of falling in with some of these people and following the crates, or what's happening? Uh, following at a safe distance, so we don't get necessarily seen by the people who are carrying the crates. Because we don't mm-hmm. The crates are being carried to uh, the gang led by Alex for use against the gang led by Rhea. Uh, oh, yo, Jimbo, fistful of dollars type thing. Nice. I like. Yeah. That's very cool. Take a yum yum. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I, 
What I do usually do is I give an extra die or sometimes even an automatic success for you to play out however you want. So set aside a success, and that can be used in whatever fashion you want. You can give it to other people when they need it. You can do it however you want. We know this because we overhear people talking. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to get these to Rhea so he can blow up those darn Alex folk. Uh, uh, I think uh, there's uh, some uh, spot. All right. Bringing tomatoes and fruit. Everyone knows it's a vegetable. <laughs> hey, isn't tomato anyway? Yeah. Yeah, call the, call the whole thing off. off. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, give me some more details here. What's going on? At the moment that he says that, mm-hmm. off in the distance, there seems to be gunfire. Ooh, okay. And it looks like um, Alex, uh, Alex's gang has come to get the weapons. And oh. Rhea's gang is trying to hold them off as crates are being hauled into a warehouse-type building. Okay. It sounds like these weapons are headed directly to Rhea, which means that the Alexite forces are now pouring in through the streets. And... Uh, I'm going to step in here and say that you are outside a uh, large building that looks almost as though it melted partway and collapsed in on itself. But all of the windows, all of the doors, everything else are properly formed and in the right places. So it must be a deliberate architectural choice. This whole building, with its strange appearance also has a kind of sheen to it, sort of wet-looking or glazed, and it's distinctly warmer, you can feel, than the surroundings. A voice comes from it, from everywhere and nowhere uh, from the building, uh, a female voice that I uh, can't do, which is, uh, the Alexite forces are attacking, defend me, defend me! Ah, so this would be, uh, Rhea. Rhea is the library? Preposterous. By God. By the space gods. <laughs> it seems to be the case. I look around and see if I can spot anything over the horizon or whatever that looks like it could be a capital building. You definitely do. Tell me about it. It is a large dome in the center of the city. Okay, good. With a pulsating light on top. I thought you were going to say a giant pulsing brain. Well, that's inside the dome. We haven't gotten there yet, you see. Okay. So, here we are. I think I collected details, but I may have neglected to have you roll for this particular section. Go ahead and give me six dice each. And don't forget, Dr. Raptor, if you ever need it, or if someone else does, you got an automatic success stashed away. What's, What's the hazard rating here? The hazard rating is still one, and we're at seven points on the scene. One success, two defense. Okay. Knocks it down to six. Three and two. Okay. Four and uh, two. Two defense? Yeah. Okay. Knocks it down to three. Specify. Sorry about that. Four and two. That's no problem. All right. It sounds like what everyone's doing is offense followed by defense. Defense, Yeah. (laughs) Even with my little brain, I can handle that. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so that takes it down. That basically wraps up that scene because, well, now you've found it and you've made an important discovery about the nature of at least Rhea. And you are now in the midst of a gang war street fight 
around a living building. And me without my library card. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 13-point scene here for dealing with these goons on both sides, however you want to accomplish that. The threat rating right now is one. But ore haulers, vehicles of every description are pouring in and people are coming in on foot, climbing out of buildings, popping up out of hatches in the street. So right now the threat rating is one, but it's going to slowly rise. Right now it's at one. Next turn it will be at two, and then it will go up to three. Okay. So here I'll kind of go around because this may be a little bit more combat. But if you have ideas or you want to play off each other's descriptions or whatever, you go right ahead. So, uh, Ruby, sound like you had an idea right off the bat. Apparently there are a lot of machine guns that okay. they've got. I figure having just come from the Renaissance, they probably don't have laser technology. Mm-hmm. Um, Good. We're running through hails of bullets, and not one to be particular, Ruby starts firing back with her Smith Itachi. Mm-hmm. trying to make her way toward the building in the center of the city. Ah, away from the library, towards yes. the capital. Yes. Okay. Ruby, we Good. need to capture some of these people for... We need to capture one of these people from each side for questioning. Good. There's two I details I, right there. Well, we got I, plenty to pick from. Nice. I'll set my ray gun to wide beam then as I pull my nice little Art Deco circular ray gun out of my uh, utility belt. Switch cool. the red, Three, big four. red. Switch the big green button to stun. There's five. Uh, I take cover behind a building. I'm sure there's more than just two buildings in the city. Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, this, you're in like a dilapidated neighborhood, and there's all kinds of buildings everywhere. Okay, so I take cover behind one, and I'm exchanging shots with a group, and uh, several of them from both sides are heading in the position, so I unclip one of my various and sundry grenades, mm-hmm. hit the button, throw it into their midst, and it's a flashbang. <laughs> Covers her ears, opens, keeps her eyes open, turns her head away, and the thing goes off, and as they are screaming and in a stupor, she rushes out, grabs one of them, mm-hmm. flips his gun away, and and uh, pulls him over to behind the building and keeps the gun pointed at him. I got a live one here! <laughs> nice. That's more than five, but I will bleed some of those details over into the next round if that works for you. Oh, okay, cool. What about Flintlock? What's going on? Guys are still loading uh, stuff off of the transport, but they're moving a little bit faster. Okay. Uh, one comes out on his own carrying a, a box. I kind of hide in the shadows and follow him. And as soon as he sets the box da- down, I grab him around the neck with one arm from behind and put my pistol to his head. Mm-hmm. There's four and five. Be very quiet. Ah, uh, nice. And then I sort of drag him behind a crate. Cool. All right, so for this round, everyone just go ahead and give me five dice. Thanks. I got two successes, two defense. I got no offense and one defense. Oh, so it's at 11, but you're safe. No defense. 
No defense. I don't even know what trait I'm supposed to. Like, no, 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 oh, yeah. I, I didn't even. <laughs> oh, um, you know what? I'm going to use always armed, even though that's not quite what I had designed it for, but I pulled that grenade out of my. So let me take that these numbers and apply them with that, because I was applying them to two, so. Yep. Uh, that would be three instead. So one offense and one defense. Okay. So that knocks it down to ten. And what I'll do is I'll take us through some of the steps here real quick so that uh, we kind of get used to checking against the different traits and all that other stuff. Like as we go through the combat, I'll be like, what are you rolling against? How are you splitting up your dice? And you can just tell me that way. If that works for everyone. Yep. It's good for me. Okay. Don't think it'll interfere with stuff too much. All right. So the challenge rating, is it 10? The threat level has now risen to two as the street fight gets more intense. Rhea, the building, is still screaming for her followers to protect her. And uh, since I got cued onto an interesting little film the other day, I'm going to take the voice of Mommy <laughs> from Cleopatra Jones. Oh. God. As the voice of Rhea. Is that not the most over-the-top performance? <laughs> I mean, jeez. It's pretty good, man. Yeah. It's pretty good. I yeah. was having a good time watching that. It's a fun movie. I mean, it's just what you expect from that genre, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'm going to take a sort of around here with a dice cap of five. You don't have to reach your dice cap, but try to keep it around five, just as a matter of pacing. And because I have it written down this way for no particular reason, let's start off with Doc Raptor. Give me Ooh, about okay. five details in this fight. All right. The people working for uh, Alex are all dressed in red jackets, <laughs> while the Rians are all dressed in blue jackets. Okay, not purple and green, but red and blue, okay? Right. I'm not sure if there's a reference there is missing. That's okay. It wasn't very good. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, so it's easy for us to keep track of. I'm not a very good shot with the uh, ray gun, so Mm -hmm. instead I'm going to uh, activate the rocket pack. Swoop down and try and grab one of the uh, blue jacketed Rians because they are closest to us right now. Oh, we got one? Yeah. Oh, never mind. I'll grab one of those. I I, I could have one. I grab one, pick it up, realize that Flintlock's already got one. I'll drop them into a dumpster and then grab one of the uh, red jackets, one of the Alexons. Got one. I I, I was going to say, I think he's got one too. (laughs) (laughs) You want to step back, sir, and remember what happened last scene? (laughs) No, I like the idea that the good doctor takes off into the air, flies around, sort of surveys the situation and sees all this stuff, and maybe a little bit frustrated, sort of going back and forth between the different... (laughs) Yeah, and make himself a target. Excellent. I'm going to call that... (laughs) I draw the enemy fire. (laughs) Yes, there we go. I'm going to call that five details right there, because even actions like that can move a scene along. Yep. So, up next, I have... Anything... Yes? No, that's him shouting, because oh, he realized, okay. oh, he's got one. Oh, I got one. Oh, he's got one, too. No one tells me anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a doctor. You're supposed to keep me informed. 
All right, so up next is Flintlock. So I've got uh, one of the Rhea guys behind um, some crates, mm-hmm. and I point the gun at him, and I say, so, what do you need weapons for? Hmm, okay, there's about three. And he doesn't respond, so then I push the gun a little harder against his head. Mm-hmm. You will answer me. All right, that's about five right there. Moving on to Ruby. I can only answer a question if you ask it three times. <laughs> uh, let's see, I'm still behind the building taking cover. Do you have these guys handled down here, uh, Flintlock? I think somebody should go into that building over there, check out the library, or or go into that Capitol building. I got nothing handled. I got one guy to a gunpoint. Well. Yes, got it under control. Go ahead. All right. Here, I'll save you the trouble. And she thwat, pistol whips the guy that she had, and he crumples to the ground. There. Now you don't have to worry about him getting away. Just collapses boatlessly. That's right, yeah. <laughs> so she takes off toward the... Oh, one to three. It's Rhea's building, four to six. It's the capital. And I rolled a five. So we're going to go with the capital. All right, and that's about five details there. So, good Dr. Raptor, what are you rolling against, and how are you dividing up your dice? I'm rolling on Rocket Pack, mm-hmm. and I'm putting two in offense, three in defense, since I'm, by definition, taking all the enemy fire. Okay, give me your rolls. That's probably wise. The threat level is now two. I've got my Rocket Pack, three. Uh, no. Oh. Uh, I'm actually going to take that success I had in reserve. Okay. Which gives me two defense and one offense. All right. That keeps you safe. Knocks it down to nine. Threat level or uh, challenge rating is now at nine. Moving on to Flint. What are you rolling against? How are you dividing up your dice? I think I'm going to use my surveillance. Mm-hmm. And one in attack, four in defense. Okay. I'm kind of worried about getting hurt. Not a lot of fun. Not as much fun as they make it sound. Well, I successfully attack, but don't defend with a crap. Oh, Zero defense. All right. Well, that takes it down to eight, and you lose two points of key... And you can work out how that happens, what exactly it means for you. Those are free details for you next time. If you want to, you don't have to describe how the failure works either. It can be abstract. All right. And Ruby, what's your role in? I'm trying to remember everything I did this past round. I thwacked the guy and mm-hmm. hit toward the building. You know, I believe you thwacked him with your blaster. I believe you're right. I did, actually. So, yeah, okay. Uh, so, blaster is going to be used. That's four, which okay. means I did two and three. So, I got no offense successes, mm-hmm. but I did get three defenses. Okay. So, our challenge rating stands at eight. Eight points left on the scene. As the firefight grows more intense, uh, remarkably, no fires have broken out somehow. Yeah, the challenge rating now has risen to three. And this is in part because civil protection units have entered the fray. These are mechanical armatures, not really skeleton-like, but more like the wire armature that's inside some um, 
uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maquettes. You know, the stop motion figures. So picture like a wire joint armature with ball joints and a faceless cylinder for a head. They're armed with uh, big riot shields that spray tear gas and other incapacitants and a large electro-baton. It ain't for stunning. So threat is at three. I can go first. Okay, go. I have no problem. So as the intensity of the gunfire increases, I take a bullet to the shoulder mm-hmm. and fall to the ground. Three. And when I look back up, the, the blue guy, just for Josh's color schemes, the Rhea like guy now has my gun. He says, no, I think you'll need to start answering some of our questions. Ooh, that's a nice five details right there. And then he motions me to go into the building, Rhea. Mm-hmm. And I start to walk in. Seduce okay. that building. <laughs> yeah, that's the plan. Okay. <laughs> um, As Tom Lehrer said, who's next? <laughs> this dude is awesome. Um, that'd be... I'll, I'll take it. The way you run it, our, uh, is our defeat in dependent on losing all of our chi or if we want to when you lose your chi you lose your ability to influence the scene okay for that scene i usually refresh it on the next scene okay and the next scene could start out very badly for you if you lost chi okay i'm gonna just go with this then okay so ruby is running through uh trying to get to the main center building and in doing so she's constantly exchanging fire with people as she's going past ducking behind buildings, running a little bit and ducking behind another building as somebody's shooting at her she shoots back with the laser, a couple guys fall down mm-hmm. she keeps going and then one of those containment units decides it's going to spray a group of people Alexites or Rians? A cluster of both that are involved in fighting Okay um, That's about five details right there. You can keep going if you want. Yeah, I'll keep going because I am I know where I want to go, so I'm going to just get there. It's a filibuster. Go for it. Okay. The cluster of gang members of both sides is sprayed with tear gas, and mm-hmm. they see her about the time, and she sees them about the time to spray, and so they're still exchanging, but she gets caught with the onslaught of the tear gas, and cursing furiously. She's rubbing at her eyes with one hand and firing her blaster at the other, but eventually the containment unit armature takes her down and carries her off. Nice. Does she still have her helmet from before? Or did that get knocked off in the furry somehow? Knocked off. Okay, good. So, then uh, the good doctor is left. Doc Raptor is flying all around, spinning, looping. There's tracer fire exploding all around him as, as people are shooting at him and shooting at each other. And then the riot control people come in. He cuts power and drops down onto the back of the largest civil protection maquette. Mm-hmm. And pulling out his little uh, toolkit, in it, holding it in his teeth as he's trying to bust open the uh, the access hack pack. Mm-hmm. He hacks into their network and shuts oh, them down. Nice. Let me come in for a moment. It says, Passengers are not authorized on this unit. You have ten seconds to... I'm a little teapot, short and stout, as you hack into the <laughs> network there. All right. 
so. I've got about five from everyone. Going from the top of my little list here. Actually, I'll just try to go in the order we went in. Ruby, what are you rolling? Whoa, I lied. Uh, I'm a big, filthy liar. Um, <laughs> Flintlock, what are you rolling against? And how you divide it up? I'd say stealth. Hmm, okay. On that. And we're at a threat level three. We're at threat level three. I got five, so I'm going to put four into defense, one into attack. Okay. One success and two defense. Okay. So that knocks it down to seven. That's your third key. So for the moment, you're out of your ability to affect the scene... But if you have some cool details you want to throw in, you can still continue with actions if you have things you want to be doing. I try not to just sideline the players. Gotcha. And that's only for this scene. So you can still do actions. You're just not going to be able to move the scene forward. He's a nicer gotcha. person than I am. I'm like, hey, you're, you're out. You're out for the scene. Down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's just because this is the first time. Always <laughs> nice the first time. So do you know how to edit? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say I know how to I edit. Think he, I think, you know, Eric's replaceable. No. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, I would say if I know anything about editing, that that's something that belongs on the cutting room floor. No, I'm always gentle the first time. All right. For our American friends out there, see, that was a joke. See, if Pat was here, he'd have something to say to that line. <laughs> I, I may be glad that he isn't. I'm not sure. I feel conflicted. Anyway, you're sidelined as far as your ability to affect the scene is continued. Yep. But if you think of something cool, including something for the hostile elements here, you just go right ahead and throw it in. I ain't worried about it. All right. Up next then was Ruby with her mad dash across the city that ended up with her in the arms of a civil protection unit. Going all out on offense. Okay. Using my shooting. Ah, so you're taking one for the team, as it were. Yep. Four successes. Mm-hmm. That knocks it down to three. And you take three right off the bat, but you incapacitate yourself. Yes, I did. In the finest 316 fishing. Have you guys had a chance to look at that game? I love 316. I got to play it a couple uh, times. I got uh, it through the Haiti bundle. I haven't actually cracked it yet. I've got nice. a Haiti bundle, too, and I played it. I quite enjoy it. I love the idea. I use a lot of elements from it. Haven't had a chance to play it myself yet, but uh, hopefully I will soon. My players right now are enamored of invaders, so maybe a while till we get something else. You're welcome. Invaders, also fun. Yeah, you're, thank you're, you. You're <laughs> In all seriousness, they love it. Okay, so up next is the good doctor is our last one who hasn't rolled. Super intelligence. They got three in offense, two in defense. Okay. Hey, and that knocks down to zero. And you take one. Well, no, no. I'm sorry. I have not. I haven't rolled yet. Oh, okay. Man, you could have just run with that. <laughs> I rolled one offense, Ooh. and I got two defense. Okay. So I take so one you, hit. Yep, you take one hit there, and we're now at two. So the scene is still going, and only the good doctor can move things along. So yeah. I'd like to start with Dr. Raptor. Where did where, my team go? Oh. Oh, hell. It's you <laughs> against the world, quite literally. I know. The, okay, the machines are down. So it's just me against the group. So I'm going to... I haven't used High Society yet. Mm-hmm. Be, look here, my 
good librarians. Knowledge is not something that should be fought over. It should be something that should be shared and enjoyed by all. You're demeaning yourselves and the moral fortitude of knowledge and the written word by this unbecoming squabbling. Now put down your weapons and let's all go have a good book and a cup of tea. <laughs> so you're up in the air where you can address both I'm the Alex. spot right now, actually, but yeah. Okay, where you can address like, oh, you're on top of, that's right, you said there was like a great big civil yeah, protection big, unit. Like that. Yeah, I'm right. out there shouting at them. So Rhea says, Alex, do you hear this thing? It's saying that we need to put our differences aside and start working together for the sake of knowledge. That's right, my good building. And Alex says, uh, I hear it, but I'm not sure I believe it. Still, this thing might have a point. You're absolutely right. Of course I have it's a point. These, I'm hyper-intelligent. It's these intruders who are the real problem. What? Who? What? What? Huh? What? I agree, says Rhea. Let's get together and squash them. I don't suppose they mean us, do they? Them? Hmm. Hey, everyone's gone. <laughs> well, what do you think, Josh? Uh, I'm, I'm uh, pretty sure they do mean us, yes. <laughs> I think you caused it all. I'm, I'm unconscious. I'm not thinking much of anything right now. <laughs> I'm not unconscious, but I happen to be in a building with one of them that has a gun, so great, I'm the first to go. Where all go, right. Josh? Yeah, good work, party killer. <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> Uh, give me your dice, and well, what are you rolling up? What are you rolling uh, high against? society? That's right. And how are you dividing it up? Three and two again. Okay, three offense, two defense. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> well, I got my two successes for offense. Okay. I've got only so, one defense, which knocks me out to zero G as well. All right, so everyone starts off at zero, and the libraries have decided to turn against the time agents. However, there are still other matters left unsettled. For example, id, and uh, one of the agents is quite possibly in the Capitol building, maybe. Uh, you others are, hmm, could be in some form of captivity. I'm going to leave that to you. The scene starts off with you at a serious disadvantage because of what happened. So what is this scene, and what disadvantage are you at? As an individual or as a group? Mm, you could be together as a group if you want. In fact, yes, that's what I'd like to do. What's the scene that starts off with the group at a disadvantage? Well, they come dragging me in after they've beaten me senseless outside. Oh, well, I was going to say that's probably the, the disadvantage is that we're separated. Okay, that works also. Also works. We're splitting the party up. It's not a monkey's took my jetpack game unless the party gets split up at least once. And we already split it up when you decided to go capital chasing. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I forgot about that. Sorry. Well, that's, that's the disadvantage. The so I guess the scene is trying to get us all back together. Okay. Okay. So the main disadvantage is the fact that you guys are all split up. So to give me a little bit to uh, work with here, set each of your individual scenes very briefly. I'm going to refresh your key so you guys are back at three. And this is really just setting things up. So I'm setting a dice cap 
of four here. So give me quick descriptions of about four details of your individual panels. They've got me. I'm in the paleontology department mm. of, of the Ria library. They've got nice. me strapped to a metal table mm-hmm. with uh, with a mechanical buzzsaw <laughs> descending down upon me. And the uh, mechanical buzzsaw is its own little separate system? Of course it does. It's like a Scholartron, as you see. And, uh, you know, it's written right on the side of the arm, and it's got the little glasses on its sensors. And it's checking some sort of automated schedule. And it says, what was on the agenda for today? Ah, yes. Vivisection. A living dinosaur. Such what an opportunity to learn. Okay, so that's the doctor's particular situation. You expect me to talk? No, no Mr. Dinosaur. We expect you to die. Very good. <laughs> All right. Who else? Go, Chris. Well, I wasn't going to be quite as dramatic as that. That's I'm just why. locked up in a storage facility. Mm-hmm. Why he went to get more of his goons to come back and decide how they were going to deal with me. Uh-huh. And as he's walking off, you hear Rhea say, Oh, thank you so much for putting him in there. You're the only one around here who knows what Rhea wants. Oh, God. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Ruby's peril. Ruby wakes up and she is uh, quickly discovers that she is being immobilized by a uh, force field mm-hmm. um, suspended in midair. Okay. And she's in what looks to be a futuristic looking throne room. Mm-hmm. Soon- Let me pause you before we go too far. Okay. Because I want the original setup, but it sounds like you're about to wrap up, so go ahead. I was just saying, sitting on the throne uh, on a dais is a pulsating brain. Sweet. Had to bring a pulsating brain into it. Of course. Absolutely. Okay. So then, Chris, I like your suggestion that the scene is trying to get everyone back together. I want this to move along fairly quickly, so I'm going to set it as a 10-point scene. Threat level one, because you guys are in some pretty serious peril, to the body and possibly to the soul down there in the uh, holding cell. It wasn't what I was thinking with that comment, but uh, all right. So 10-point scene, threat level one, and the uh, good doctor is in the most immediate peril, I think. So let's start with you. We'll put a dice cap of five on this. I am going to uh, look quickly, examining how the uh, how the uh, armature structure of the saw blade and the arm it's on is constructed. Mm-hmm. And thinking quickly, I'm going to snap off my thumb claw. Ooh, ouch! Which hurts. But then I'm going to flick it just right at the right parabolic arc. <laughs> That'll fall <laughs> into the little uh, servo mechanism of the ar- armature. Mm-hmm. Which will cause the uh, machine to kind of grind to a halt and then explode. Ooh, sending nice. the uh, saw blade just to the right trajectory to sever my Your left arm. Artery. Not not the femoral artery, oh, but okay. the, the bond 
keeping me that little metal band keeping my left arm down. Very nice. Yeah, this bond was made by the James Company, and that's one of its classic yeah. weaknesses. <laughs> the James Bond. <laughs> I know their fatal flaws. All right. The next person we dealt with in our little setup was Flintlock. So, um, go ahead and give me your details. So I look around the room to see if there's any possible exits, and I don't see any windows or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I look at the door, and strangely, it doesn't really have anything that I could try to pick. So I sigh. Does the door look back at you? Yeah. Let's make it look back at me. Okay. Ew. Rhea, you don't want to do this. We came here to help you, not hurt you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's about five, and unless you've got a reply for her, I've got one. Nope, I'll let you reply. You don't know exactly what I intend to do. I don't. You're right. And Ruby. Uh, Ruby hears words in her head, Mm -hmm. but it feels as though they're being pushed into her skull. So it is... And the... (laughs) How's that for a visceral... It's and nice. the, words, the words are. Uh, I will find out what brings you time agents here. There may not be much of your mind left when I am finished. Nice. All right, that's about five there. Oh, so, one real quick thing: if, if the camera pans please. down and sees a whole huge pile of weapons and grenades and knives and everything from her Smith Atachi Godzilla blaster to all kinds of little holdout. Derringer blasters, just all kinds of things, just and the pile just seems to be never ending on the ground. Nice. Okay. So, just because I feel like flipping it around, starting off with Ruby. What are you rolling against, and how are you dividing it up? Nothing. Gum- I didn't really do anything. Gumshoe seems like a very good general trait to me. Okay. Uh, You've probably been in situations like this before. Yeah. So well, maybe not exactly like this. <laughs> I'll make it the horse is a surprise. Two attack and three defense. Okay. And that would be two attack successes and... Nice. I got all successes. Okay. Then that knocks it down to eight points. And moving up my list to Flintlock. I'm going seduction. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think I'm going to go um, three and then two defense. Uh, One success, no defense, of course. Uh, Of course not. Well, that knocks it down to seven, though. And you only take one point of key, which probably isn't bodily harm. I'll leave some of that up to you. And Monsieur Le Rector. Dr. Raptor. Pardon the moi. <laughs> Did not go to Dino University for 12 years. Um, right. That's like uh, using super after years. Right. I got four offensive and one defensive. Okay. So that knocks it down to three and keeps you safe. Flintlock, you took a hit. So I'd like to start off with you. 
And if you want to throw in whatever that is as a detail, you are welcome to. Our threat level is at three, which means you guys are very close to getting back together. So you can keep that in mind. Well, I'm talking to the door, Rhea. Mm-hmm. And I go, uh, Rhea, so you plan on letting us go, I understand. Mm-hmm. And she, I'll let you respond. Oh, oh, okay. I guess since I'm the GM, I can do some of the work. (laughs) (laughs) She says, in a manner of speaking, I guess, more Alex and I recognize that we do have a common problem. And it's a problem that we have in common with you. I'm about to turn you loose on it, and I want you to stomp its ass into the ground. And what would that be? And she says, "It." Oh, okay. All right. And then uh, the door opens. Oh, okay, good. Oh, Got to get out. Probably. And there's no thugs around, and I start heading out. Mm-hmm, nice. So that's about five right there. Uh, who feels like they've got something good to play off that or something they want to throw in? The brain sends thought waves at Ruby, and she is convulsing and in great pain. So okay. it's like a quick cut to where she is. Nice. One of the, the classic sci-fi scenes where you've got the crackling energies and all yes. that other business. Yep, yep. Okay, I'll give you uh, three details out of that one. Okay. And, Doctor, now you're free. The auxiliary blades are coming out and coming at me. Mm-hmm. Um, I managed to free the rest of my... Uh, bindings, I roll off the table to where my jetpack and other equipment is. Mm-hmm. I grab the jetpack, turn it around so the thrusters are pointing at the scholar bot coming at me. Okay. I hit the activation switch and the blast of fiery exhaust melts at the slag. <laughs> nice. I'm pretty sure we're going to knock this one out of the park. So uh, just going down my list here, Doctor, give me your rolls. What are you rolling against? How you divide it up? Rocket pack. Oh, uh, yeah, that sounds good. That's uh, one success on each. Attack and defense. God. Now I have this glam rock rocket raptor theme song just sprung rock fully formed raptor. in my head. Yeah, thank you. That's It's so much better hearing it out loud. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right. So that was how many successes? One on each attack defense. Okay, that knocks it down to two and keeps you safe. Flintlock. I'm going to roll against stealth to get out. Okay. And okay, three, three to attack and two to defend. Mm-hmm. Um, three successes on the attack. Mm-hmm. And two defense. Okay, that knocks it to the park. Uh, which means I'll give you the coup de gras here. So, hmm, how do you guys get back together as a result of this? I'm totally seeing the doctor goes rocketing past you at some point, and you both end up on your way to the Capitol building, but what have you got in mind? I like that. I I do too, I was going to say. Back thrust shoots me out the door. 
I go mm-hmm. skittering down the polished marble hallways or marble esque, whatever Bria's made out of. Mm-hmm. Pardon me, Mr. Flintlock. Get him the hell out of here. Those are my teeth. It took forever to grow. (laughs) (laughs) You're lucky he doesn't burn you down. Just fine. They all switch. We'll be all... (laughs) (laughs) So a door whiffs open wetly, and you're dumped unceremoniously into the air, onto the street? I step out onto the street. All right. Now, not to leave Ruby in the lurch here, I'm going to step in with a little bit of fiat and say that there is a heroic entrance about to happen, or at the very least, a dramatic entrance on the part of your comrades, Ruby. Does that sound good, comrades? Yep. And to the comrades themselves? I'm good with that. Sounds good. All right. So, since uh, you kind of got left out of the last one, Ruby, describe this dramatic quite possibly heroic entrance to me. Now, when when he passed by with the rocket pack, did he... Am I understanding correctly that Flintlock got kind of swept up in the exhaust of the rocket pack? Might could. So he's basically being... He's basically being blown alongside... <laughs> uh, Ruby hears a crash from outside, and I leave it to them to determine exactly what happened. See what I did? But mm-hmm. the, ups- the upshot of it is that the force field is deactivated, and the brain stops sifting through her thoughts, and quickly on its little dais, the dais actually turns out to be some sort of a, thank you, Farscape, throne sled, and whisks off <laughs> through a door to see what is going on. So she is dropped unceremoniously in a heap onto the ground. Doc Raptor is looking unflapped and unscuffed as he's dusting himself off, putting his top hat back on and monocle back in. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> in place, like nothing bad happened. Alright, so one detail I'll throw in out here, regardless of whatever's, whatever else is going on, is outside the Capitol building, you can see and feel waves of temporal disruption pulsing out in a double thump heartbeat type rhythm They're, they manifest as a, a gritty feeling that passes through your body uh, especially in the teeth and visually teeth. as yes you do so it might be especially bad for you and visually <laughs> as waves of static distortion that move through the air and along the ground sort of crawling along before dissipating a ways out Gentlemen, so, my highly trained scientific mind mm-hmm. is telling me that we have to blow up that building. Uh-huh. And so, from various alcoves in the building come a squad of sentry robots. Ooh, what are sentry robots? Sentry robots. Oh, okay. Sentry, Sen- yeah, I said sentry, sorry about that. Sentry, whatever. Sentry robots mm-hmm. led by a formidable looking robot with an eye in the center of its uh, humanoid, though not human-looking, forehead, which mm. is, and blades spinning around <laughs> on its uh, arms. Nice. As it glides in the air, floating in the air at the head of the century. Oh my god, it's Maximilian. Yes, it is. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if my uh, description would do him justice. I totally Thanks. missed it. 
the blades that got me. Yeah, well, I don't know what he. I was guessing what he looked like, so I kind of had to wing it there. <laughs> I hate to do this, but I got to run. Oh, I did not realize it's four o'clock. Yeah, I should have asked earlier about the time. That's my mistake. Yeah, I had about four hours, and it's hit that, and the kids just came home. Makes sense to me. Well, um, we can wrap could, this up. You could play my character if you guys need to. I mean, you got all the stats. I've and got just, stuff here. Yep. And we can wrap this up fairly quickly if that I works for you guys. I got an after yep. action report. Sorry about that. Okay, for- yeah, it happens, man. Thanks yeah. for playing. Yeah, had a blast. Uh, I will talk to you guys later. See you, Chris. Awesome. Bye. Take care. Yeah, I was just about to ask about time. Are you gentlemen okay? I'm okay. Partner, hung up. Josh? I'm fine for a bit, although I'm going to have to stop before too long. If we finish up this scene, I think we'll be good. Yeah, I'm thinking. It's kind of the climactic scene anyway. Yeah, I I think I can finish this, and I think we'll be good then. It's a good place for a denouement, and keeping that in mind, instead of having the the great big Maximilian bot be (laughs) a... (laughs) <laughs> uh, instead of having great big Maximilian bot be a uh, nemesis like I was kind of thinking we're going to handle this like we've handled the other scenes so far so we've got a couple different things going on I will though set these up as sub goals there is defeating the robot army 8 point challenge 2 point threat rating the doctor has cleverly deduced that he must blow up the building Similarly, eight-point challenge. Mm, now let's make this a little more interesting. That's a ten-point challenge, but a one-point threat rating. Yeah. You can handle both of these together. You can divide them up. If you handle them together, it becomes an eighteen-point scene with a three-point threat rating. Good God! Uh, oh, we can do it. Pretty sure we but can do it. But if you split them up, then they're at their respective values of. Eight and two, and ten and one. All right, yeah, that's, you know what? You handle the building. Just make sure it doesn't blow up while I'm still in it. I'll take care of these. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll take care of these robot bastards. All right. So who's up first for details? Have you got anything handy? Yep. Okay, go. I launch into the air on my mm-hmm. jetpack. Knock a raptor away! <laughs> Bring nice. out my notebook, my little okay. notebook. And a pen and my atomic slide rule, There's flying three. around, figuring out calculations on where is the best spot to detonate an explosive to bring There's the whole four. building down upon itself. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, dodging ray blasts and machine gun fire. Five and keep going till you like sort of like what you have. Um, worried about a dice cap. Finally figuring it out. Like, of course, I've got to put the exp- a massive explosion here. One splash should do it. Okay. I've got it. I swoop down, kind of into a stairwell going down into the foundation. Mm -hmm. There's seven. Fight, jump, and claw, and slice my way through a couple of dozen guards. Mm -hmm. Eight. And claws. And I unstrap my rocket pack, set it down in the alcove, set the uh, reactor core to critical. Mm-hmm. As one must always run, do. Run, 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 run. Hopefully just far enough to jump as the explosion goes off in slow motion as I tumble to the ground and a bounce roll out of somewhere. Nice. Nine and ten. And that last little bit with the explosion and rolling around, I'm going to go ahead and give that two details right there. So you'll have twelve. 
Before you roll, let me cut over to dealing with the robot army. Okay. Ruby is running for her as fast as her legs will carry her. She's firing blasters back. They're all... And, of course, there's laser bolts going all over the place. She narrowly being missed a couple of them sizzle past her ear. She mm-hmm. ducks reflexively the lead robot, which I refuse to call Maximil. <laughs> Uh, is is coming at her uh, with the blades. She and he traps her in a corner. Uh, okay, that's about he's, seven. He's coming at her, and she slows time. Kind Eight. of belly crawls underneath, uh, out of the way. Nobody puts Ruby in a corner. That's right. Oh. <laughs> <She slows laughs> time and kind of snake crawls underneath. So he comes and his blades smack. Impaling himself on uh, the wall. Okay. Burying the blades in the in the wall and incapacitating him. Now, obviously, it's not he's not destroyed or anything, but he's stuck there. And so she. Okay. She continues running, firing the blaster at exploding robots in Technicolor uh, (laughs) magic. As the blaster begins to overheat. And starts smoking. So she tosses it from hand to hand, firing with each hand, (laughs) blowing up the robots, and rushes through the door, runs out just as... (laughs) Nice. Well, I don't think you're going to need it, but I like the fact that you tied that in with the other scene, like wrapping (laughs) it up at that same time. So give yourself one automatic success. Okay. But uh, by my count, that's about 20 dice. Uh, <laughs> and you know what? Quite frankly, you basically solved the the thing in your description. Ordinarily in Wushu, you know, we don't do it. But I'm not that worried about it, especially <laughs> since that was such a good rolling narrative. <laughs> Thank you. So over on Doc Raptor's side, I'm looking at 12 dice. I got nine successes. Oh, that means you take some kind of hit, and there's exactly one point left on this whole scene. So between the two of you, what is that point? How does it affect you? Is it the brain flying away? What's going on? I get slammed against the far building Mm with an explosion and hit by a tire. I haven't seen a wheel on this entire planet. Where'd the tire come from? (laughs) Paradox. It's just there by itself. And as the Any explosion of a given size will automatically generate a flaming tire. That's right, of course. <laughs> I think that's Bay's law, isn't it? And it, and it, and it rolls to a stop. You know, right. that thing. Exactly. So, yeah, the brain escapes on. We see the brain, even as the building is exploding, flying out on its. Sled, throne sled, mm-hmm. and in the voice, whichever voice was being used for that, 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 you know, there's always some weird, uh, processed voice for the villain with no mouth. You know? Yes. Victory! I am free! And just at that moment, a huge chunk of exploded building flattens it <laughs> on the throne sled, sending the throne sled, uh, <laughs> diving down to the ground and exploding in its own comparatively small fireball. <laughs> nice. 
and uh, we see a, a huge treaded vehicle pull up onto it, going back and forth on it, like rolling <laughs> forward, then backing up, rolling forward, backing up. Nice. On the side is written, Charbonus Municipal Library Bookmobile. <laughs> okay. Very cool. That's our end. And you guys look around, and uh, Flintlock is gone. Flintlock, no! And Angus is... to the time vortex! One moment, lads. It looks like there's some sort of time vortex. It appears to be generating wheels on... It's trying to balance... It's balancing out the mass of Flintlock who's been sucked into it. I'm sending you the coordinates now. Time agent's work is never done. And that's where we'll end. <laughs> Bravo! Huzzah. That was awesome. Oh, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. I'm sorry about the time issue. I was going to check, and I got wrapped up and completely forgot <laughs> to. All right. So, hopefully you enjoyed the game. It sounded like you enjoyed the basic story in the game. Yeah. I did. I did enjoy Um... If we've got half a second here, give me some good elements, mechanically, story-wise, GM-wise, and some elements that you think maybe need some improvement or something you'd like to see done differently or just done at all next time. Hmm. I, I like the scene, the way you were doing the scenes, but I wonder if maybe not every scene has to have uh, a... Because sometimes, I, like, sometimes it seems like it's... Uh, if we have a small threat rating, mm-hmm. the scene wraps up before it might have. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it can kind of slow things down a little bit or throw off the timing a little. Yeah, I think I like it in general, but I think sometimes uh, either you might want to have some scenes not have a not threat rating. What do you? Call I it? call it a challenge rating. Challenge rating. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then that way, if there's role playing going on, or if there's just something where it seems like we're on a roll coming up with things to have happen. Just let it go. Just let it go, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And maybe it's partially just because of the setting, because it's wushu, but we didn't really have any kind of interstitial scenes. It was all, everything was a challenge to overcome. And that right. might just be a part of the genre and the fact that we had to run things short. But there wasn't like any actual like downtime scenes at all or anything in this interstitial. Okay. In this case, it was a little bit because of Wushu, but yeah. just splicing in some stuff like that can definitely add to a lot of a lot of games, so that's no problem right. either. Cool. Very good. So uh, I can look at uh, doing some scenes differently, you know, having some stuff that just kind of gets framed maybe and then let the players just run at it. Right. And... Uh, also, maybe just kind of, well, in general, letting things run a little bit more openly and throwing in some character development, that kind of thing, if I'm right. understanding you guys I mean, correctly. If I, I would save the challenge ratings for stuff where it is kind of that action there's, scene. There's a challenge to be overcome. Yeah. Yes. And, and that, instead of making every scene have a challenge rating, that way the challenge ratings are kind of like, oh, okay, here's where it's almost like a signal to the players... A uh, kind of danger indicator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that sounds good. But don't. I mean, it was a great game. So, so. Don't oh, good. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed fact. it. 
I gotta awesome. do some. I gotta do some with Doc Raptor here now. I'm not sure. What. <laughs> <laughs> He'll show up in a comic somewhere. <laughs> I like the characters a lot, and uh, I like the fact that you guys, uh, after a second of sort of the normal adjustment period to Wushu, uh, you guys were um, playing off each other and rolling with the setting and making up details and all kinds of goods. So that was a lot of fun. So yeah. thank you very much, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. It was a blast. And, I got to get uh, going, gang. Yeah, me too. So I'm going okay. to get some lunch. So not to play. You guys take it easy, and I'll see you when I'll see you. All right. All right. Take care, fellas. And there you have it. That was the first time we met. And who knew that he would eventually be a part, full-time, of Monkeys Took My Jetpack. I want to take a moment to discuss the future of the podcast. Because, let's face it, I think we all know things are not going the way they would ideally be going. This should not have taken nearly this long to put out. Admittedly, I got sick, and then there were the holidays, and then, I mean, there's excuse after excuse after excuse. But the bottom line is this was something which required minimal editing on my part and could have and should have been out much sooner than it was. And I've been doing a lot of thinking. I'm not, I'm not going to pull the plug. Don't worry. The, the podcast is not going anywhere as far as that goes. But one of my New Year's resolutions for 2016 is to make this podcast better and to make it back the way it used to be, at least to a degree. When we first started, Monkeys Took My Jetpack, if you look at the posting dates for the first 10 or so issues, they were coming out almost weekly. Not quite weekly, but it was pretty close. Now... I have tried to... That, that, that was not working. I had no life outside of podcasting. I was either eating, sleeping, watching TV, or editing. And I don't want to go back to that because I missed things like reading books and, and things like that. And... Um, I, I don't, I know if I try and go back to doing it that quickly, I will burn out. And whenever I tried to make less work for myself by giving myself more time, I invariably would take that time and say, Ooh, I can add more sound effects. Ooh, I can add more music. And I love the, see, this is the problem. I love that part of it. If I, I the part that I, I don't like the most about podcasting is the editing the Skype track because on the one hand it's it's tedious the games are great don't get me wrong I enjoy the games I mean we have not stopped gaming even though we've stopped recording them for the time being because we have such a backlog of stuff that needs to be posted for the podcast but uh, the gaming is is great it's the editing that drives me up the wall and I think, although I never really thought about it until a couple nights ago when I was thinking about the future of the podcast, and I thought, you know, the problem is, at least before, when I would have to do the editing, 
I would be able to do it knowing that at the end of that, I was going to be adding the sound effects and things to it and, and making it sort of audio drama-esque. And that was the part that would keep me going. That and the feedback, of course. But the feedback happens after we post the thing. This is just talking about the process of going from the Skype game file to a posted podcast. Um, so I loved the sound effects and the music and adding that stuff. And the problem is it's taken, it took so long, even back then, uh, we were going farther and farther between issues, but at least then I was looking forward to finishing the edit job on the Skype file so I could get down to the really fun part. Well, because that was taking so long, it got to the point where I took all the sound effects and music out. So all I was doing was editing. And once I finished a session, I would be like, all right, oh, break time, okay. And then time would get away from me, and or I would edit a little bit on the next issue, but then I would need a break because of the tedium involved, and I would just be like, ah, oh, I can't do this anymore. I'll just take a couple days off. And that turned into a week, turned into maybe two, whatever. And so nothing was getting done, and that's how it's been for quite some time. And I mean, there have been other things that crop up and I wasn't lying when I said those things cropped up, but they are excuses. The bottom line is I just don't want to simply edit and post. And I'm not willing to just put up a game without tightening it up some and making it sound at least somewhat professional. So I I can't really cut back on the editing. And yet, I need to do something because that's why these posts really have been so few and far between is because I really have nothing that keeps me going during the editing process to say, okay, once I get this done, I can start putting the pieces together, producing it and really making it good and adding sound effects and things like that. So something's got to give. And the problem also is that I've got a job now that entails editing. So the last thing I'm going to want to do after editing for most of the day is going back to editing this podcast. I've got several people who've offered to help edit, so I'm going to take them up on that, and hopefully we can get these things coming. I'm going to try to get these Dresden Files games finished as quickly as possible, not because the games... The games are great. This is all about me and producing the podcast itself with the editing and everything else. So I don't want you to think I'm looking at the game sessions as, oh, let's get this crap done so we can get on with some really good... St-. No, that's not it at all. The games are great. But we have something we want to do once these games have posted. I don't want to get into what it is yet, but it's something that we have been looking forward to for quite some time. And the other thing I'd like to do is get us back onto a schedule that is as much as possible mirroring the sessions as they were being done. So that feedback can actually be meaningful. I loved when we were playing Sorcerer of Zoe and we would get feedback from people that we could actually use in the game. Like if somebody said how they thought something was going, for all I know, some of the decisions Josh made as a GM might have been based on some of your feedback. I don't know that for a fact. I'm not saying that it happened that way, but it could have because the stuff was close enough together to where maybe if it was just about what was going to happen the following week, we might have done that game. But if it was referring to things that were either not revealed yet or were a couple weeks out from being revealed it might have affected the game session. And I like that. I like having more immediate feedback as to what was going on. I mean, we can ask questions like, what do you think is going to happen in the Dresden Files campaign? But it happened over a year ago, so 
it's all academic. It doesn't have a chance to really influence anything because these games have already happened. So I'd like to get us back on a posting schedule that is more alongside the games as they're happening. Now, what we might do, and I haven't even spoken with the guys about this, we might consider making our meetings bi-weekly instead of weekly. I don't want to do that. I enjoy the fact that we have a weekly game, but that might be something to think about because that would give me two weeks to edit and post-produce each session. And then by the time that was done, we would be right on schedule and you would only be about a session behind. So that's something to consider. Um, other than that, I, I like I said, I've got people who are willing to help edit, so I'm going to take advantage of that resource. And uh, we'll see. But the, something's got to change. I'm not satisfied with the way the podcast has been for a while. I know we've dwindled down to a few very loyal and appreciated listeners. I uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate the fact that y'all are still hanging around despite the lag of this podcast and the irregularity with which posts have come. And the reason we had no music in the opening or this closing is because I knew I was going to get on this diatribe and I didn't want to have to loop <laughs> the loop forever and ever ad infinitum. Amen. Anyway, that, these are my thoughts. I'm going to make this better. I, you, you shouldn't have to wait months between issues and I shouldn't have to deal with something which is tedious so much so that it takes a lot of the fun out of doing this podcast. I mean, I realize I have to deal with it a little. I'm not going to make all the editing go to somebody else, but I can at least try to limit my editing to the point so that I'm not being driven away from doing the podcast, which is what's happening now. So things have to change and they will. I'm still working out all the hows and the whats of it, but, uh, and if you have any ideas, by all means, post them on our Facebook page or send me an email at feedback at mtmjetpack.com. I would love to hear any thoughts or suggestions that you have, good or bad. Um, mainly, I just wanted to tell you, I know I have not been a great facilitator of this podcast, and I apologize for that. And I'm aware of it. I'm not happy with it. I'm sure you're not happy with it. And things are going to change. That is my goal for 2016. It's not going to happen right away because we still have a bunch of Dresden Files episodes to post. And I'm going to get those done as quickly as possible. That may mean that for a while we don't have any post-production really at all. It'll just be me saying, hey, here's the session. Kind of like we did with the Cartoon Action Hour stuff where it's the session or the, a little opening remark and then the session and that's it. So I'm going around in circles here. I'm going to stop. But uh, thank you for listening to me rant. If you'd like, you can think of this as a state of the podcast address. <laughs> I hope it was uh, educational. And I hope it gave you some idea of what's to come. Like I said, if you have any thoughts, post them to me. And uh, hey, we'll catch you next time. Oh, wait, that's my other podcast, Blind Geek Adventures. Sorry. <laughs> but until then, this is Blind Geek. Thanking you for listening to Monkeys Took My Jetpack and reminding you that your imagination is just like a jetpack. You gotta keep it fired up. And always, let it soar! <laughs>